Welcome aboard. This is your Captain Johnny. And first mate Jess. Thank you for joining us on our chaotic journey through fan fiction. This podcast will contain adult situations and themes. I would strongly suggest using caution when listening in public. But what do I know? We do not own these stories or characters. They're just along for the ride upon the ships of chaos. Hey, Kate. <laughs> Chaotics, this is Johnny. <laughs> and this is Jess. Welcome, welcome. Welcome back welcome. from our two week break. Yes, how was your break? It was good. It's nice to have like a little just break. Yeah. Such a weird way to say it, but it's just nice to not have to record. It's a good refresher. I'm excited to get back in. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes, like us trying to get permission to do stories and all the editing. Yeah, and then on top of working and family just a lot. Yeah. We enjoy it. We're not complaining at all. We no, no. completely enjoy it, but it's nice to have a little uh, breather before. Yeah, to redo it. yeah. So, and now as we're nearing the end, oh gosh, it's so exciting. It, it is exciting. I've gotten, uh, I've been able to look at some more fix and figure out what do we want to continue on with and I've gotten back into making steric captions for uh the public which is good and I found a steric captions are kind of hard because I have to come up with like what they're gonna say Mm -hmm. but I found a tumblr that just makes like incorrect quotes for steric so I've I've partnered with them kind of to uh they do the quotes and I just make the captions for them. That's cool. Um, what do you mean by incorrect quotes? Like, do they take a scene from the show and kind of improvise it? No, they just kind of like make up their own quotes for like a oh, conversation. Okay. Oh, okay. Like it does, it just off of their, the top of their head. Yeah. Kind of like a snip, like a snapshot of like a, what could be in a fanfic yeah yeah it's just a quick little four line five line thing that's so cool god I wish I was creative (laughs) so but yeah I love I love like all the stuff I do for like the Teen Wolf's Derek fan fiction world like we do this podcast and right now we're doing Steric and but there's so much more out there like fan fiction fan art uh crossovers I love doing crossovers what is your favorite crossover with with Teen Wolf my favorite is Steric and Supernatural okay like when they my favorite is when they make styles like the Winchester's cousin. I could see it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. Outside of Teen Wolf, do you have another favorite crossover? Harry Potter and Twilight. Hmm. Are there a lot of them out there? I think I've seen like um a handful, like as I'm scrolling through archive. Yeah. <clears throat> Are there a lot of Twilight Potter crossovers? There, there are not, and usually it's so strange that they want to pair Jasper with Harry Potter. Hmm. I also like Harry, like Harry Potter and Teen Wolf uh, fan fictions because they want to pair Hermione with Derek so often. Mm-hmm. That'd be a hot couple. Mm-hmm. And like oh. Remus taking him into his pack because they're both alphas. I don't know. Can yeah. alphas pack together? I know there's one alpha in a pack, but can you have two alphas in a pack? Um, it would be very chaotic and tense. It would, just have to, it would just have to work right. Yeah. They'd have to have a certain personality or whatever. 
I something I do love though, and like I've seen this a lot in fan fiction, is where they make Sirius Black like cousins to Jacob Black from Twilight. Oh, connections. Yeah, they like make them family, and I love that. It's interesting. I'd have to. I'll have to check out some crossfix. I usually just stick with, you know, the typical. Yeah, we the we, huge. We, we could do like a short, like one episode thing where we do a crossover fix. Yeah, a quickie would be fun. Yeah, find a quickie for us. Introduce us to this chaotic world. Yes, I I will look for a. That will be my quick fit for our in between fan fictions is a crossover. Cool. Yeah. I have a plan now. Yay. Yay. All right. What else do you have? I think that's it right now. Oh, I bought some, I bought some Sandersized jams. Wait, what? Okay. So have you heard of Sandersides? No. Okay. So Thomas Sanders is a YouTuber. Okay. Uh, he, he has these like videos where he does Sandersides, which is like different sides of sides of himself. Like he has logic, anxiety, creativity, pat, compassion, his lying side and his chaotic side. Okay. The four ones are anxiety, logic, creativity and compassion. Okay. But like last week he like collaborated with crofters jam which is a i love crofters jam it's my favorite brand of jam to make standard sides jams and you can buy like a four pack of all four jams and it's like 29 dollars for the four jams which isn't that bad and i bought the four pack <laughs> i'm looking it up right now because this sounds so cool yeah it's, oh, he has Logansberry, Booberry, Cranic Attack, Happy Pappy Peach, and yeah. Royal Raspberry Chariot. Oh, those are that's cool. Yeah. Well, have you? When will you get them? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it seems like people are actually getting them pretty quick. Oh, you'll have to let me know how they taste because I love jam. I'll put jam on anything. I love jams. Crofters is my favorite brand of jam. Because it's a completely natural vegan, yeah, organic jam. With uh, they try to be as allergen free as possible. So, I just love their jams, and I love Thomas Sanders. His videos are very cathartic because he he goes through like mental problems he's having in his own life using these Sanders sides. Mm-hmm. And it's very helpful to for me to go through my mental problems watching his videos. So I just wanted to support him somehow. And I love crofters anyways. So I spent $35 on shipping and whatnot for those jams. Okay. We'll, we'll link it into our Facebook group so people can check out these jams. And uh, Johnny will let us know how they taste. I'm excited for you. I freaking love jam. <laughs> Should we get into our summary? Yeah. I, what did we learn last yeah. last podcast? Yep. So last time, part two of chapter nine, uh, the boys and Pack enter the settlement. Mm-hmm. They are escorted to Parish's veterinary, not Parish, Parish. No, it's not. Damn, the parish is there, but it's not his his veterinary clinic. Oh, what's his name? It starts with the same letter as Druid. I'm blanking. And Dumbledore. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still blanking. I don't. Not Derek. Deaton. Deaton. Got it. All right, so. Sorry. They're escorted to Deaton's veterinary clinic because they want to speak to him. Uh, they still have um, the old guy with him, with them. Um, 
because it's been a bit, I'm struggling here. We were left on a cliffhanger. There's somebody outside the door and it's probably a very important person. Papa, Papa Styles. <laughs> Speaking of it, apparently you caused hyper little Nori to spit Pepsi out of her nose by saying, is it Santa Claus? <laughs> you know, sometimes I think I'm funnier. Like, I think I'm, I think I'm pretty funny. I don't know. <laughs> I laugh at myself all the time. <clears throat> this was a rough summary and I apologize. Is there something important that I'm missing? Uh, not really. I mean, the we learned a little bit of how the settlement works how there's food rations that that they're pretty self-sufficient you have to get on a list to get your own home Mm -hmm. which the pack is excited about and they all work together everybody has a job deaton made a, a very good burn against gerard saying that most of the animals he works with are a lot more Calm. Calm, yes. But that's it. I mean, we're still in this like transition period. Um I think this next part will be more exciting. Yes, it will. We'll actually get hopefully a little bit of happiness for Styles and to ease his anxiety and he reunited. This yeah. We shall see. You All right. Yeah. Again, I apologize for that rough ass summary. It's been a bit. <laughs> it's it's been okay. A, it's been a few weeks. Okay. Let's do this. Derek stood when he entered and the stranger wrapped him in a tight hug before drawing back to look at him. It was brotherly, the closeness they shared and they talked with such ease. There was a relief in Derek and in this man, Chris Styles realized that the other was alive. Then Styles saw, really saw the second man standing in the doorway and stared at Styles as if he were a ghost. His hair had grown in, no, his hair was entirely gray now, his face lined and pale from shock. He was a little thinner, but not sickly thin. His eyes were bright and they were suddenly all Styles could see as he took one step toward him, then another, hesitant to rush in lest the image burst on contact like a cruel mirage. His entire chest clenched so tight he couldn't breathe, and it was with clumsy feet that he staggered forward until they collided together. It was like a wave crash, crashing against the waiting cliff face, unforgiving and painful, yet as welcome as the crash landing back to shore. Styles' entire body was so shaky, so hard, it hurt as two warm ghost arms wrapped around him, held him tight. Fingers scrabbled at the hair at the back of his head until he winced, but didn't scream, didn't dream of pulling away, didn't scream. I'm sorry. Guttural, rough sobs filled Styles' ears, shook him as they tore from the chest pressed against his own. He burrowed his nose into his dad's neck, inhaling greedily, like he'd done as a little kid when he'd woken from a bad dream and one of his parents had come to him in the night. It wasn't until the fingers in his hair and the arm wrapped tightly around his back loosened enough to relieve the painful ache in his bones if not his chest, that he realized the heart-wrenching sobs that filled their embrace were words. They were nearly lost under the wave of grief. Styles only grasped a few of them as they tumbled over his dad's lips. His voice, however broken, was so wonderful here. My boy, left you, I left you. Dad, Styles managed hoarsely, his words muffled by his dad's neck at the noise. His dad grew back and his dad drew back enough to look at him. With his lined skin streaked with unashamed tears, his dad clasped either side of Styles' face, toning him this way and that. His thumb traced over the jagged ends of the scarred claw 
marks on Styles's jaw as his eyes traced the rest with obvious pain, as if he'd been the one to put them there himself on his son's face. I should have never stopped looking for you. Styles shook his head. I thought you were dead too. I thought you all were. I thought, I thought I was. I thought I was alone in the world and now I'm not. For the brief moment, the bone men, what, whatever was close behind, he thought they could take it. He didn't have to do it all by himself anymore. He didn't realize when he'd started to sob, when after years of holding it all together, he finally broke down. Not until his dad steadily steadied him where he stood and wrapped him in his arms again. This time, his embrace was firm but careful, as if he might shatter. Styles' fingers dug, dug into his dad's shoulders, and he didn't even care that people were watching, that Derek was watching him cry like a child. It's okay, that it's okay. No, it's okay. You're okay, kiddo, his dad whispered in his ear, just like he'd done so many times when he'd been young. Oh, God, so young. They'd lost so much time, and he couldn't stop crying. His head was pounding by the time he fell able enough to gather himself and process, process anything apart from his dad, who along with Derek had guided, guided him into his seat once more. His shaky legs thanked them, even if his rough, gasping breaths wouldn't allow him to. He felt dried up and empty, but in a good way, like everything scrubbed raw but clean, ready to start again. Later, he'd probably feel some awkwardness of his breakdown in front of so many people. But at the moment, he barely realized they were there. Steady, Derek said gently. And Styles knew what he meant to say, even without him saying it. <clears throat> he'd been so strong for so long, had disregarded the panic, the fear, the heartache, and now it had been broken. Now he was safe and the shock or stress, whatever it was unleashed itself. He felt drained, but not enough that he couldn't reach out and grab his dad's jacket like a little kid when he went to step away. I'm not going anywhere, his dad, dad promised, taking a seat beside him, and Siles nodded, feeling almost sleepy. It felt like a long last, it felt like at long last everything was right with the world. And now he could just drift away. His fingers tightened on his dad's jacket. I can't believe you're riding a horse. His styles murmured distantly. His, he remembered the family holiday to a ranch where he'd been young. His mother still alive. And now his dad had refused. And how his dad had refused so much to come near a horse. Times had definitely changed. His dad gave a little surprised bark of laughter. It felt so good to hear. There's something we need to discuss. Two somethings, I guess, Styles said from the other side, keeping his proximity to Styles, offering his support in case Styles should need it. He was talking to Styles' dad, to Deaton and Chris. Styles, though, Styles thought, though his brain felt almost drunk, obscured by catharsis. I don't know where to start. What's more important? Style sounded so far away, so remote that even the, through his giddy haze, Derek sounded so far away, so remote, and even though his, even through his giddy haze, Styles reached out to touch his arm, grasp it gently, wanting to anchor himself to him too. He licked his lips dry, willing his fuzzy thoughts to cooperate. He felt almost drugged but managed hoarsely. The bone men, they're coming. Not like right behind us. Not enough to see the hollows of their eyes, Not, but not far behind. They're close. Everyone in the room fell silent. Derek covered Styles' hands with his, and Styles felt eerily disconnected from everything, except his dad and him at the moment. Each, in a, each of them holding on to him like he was going to slip away. Except his head, no, except his chest and his head hurt from crying. 
His dad was cold from the outdoors, and Derek was warm as always. He could feel it, all of it, and was blissfully and perfectly real. In that moment, it was the bone man that felt like the dream, not the other men either side of him. I think we have an idea, Derek said tentatively to the quiet. We, that is, Styles found something. Something maybe you could help us turn into a weapon, a way to stop them. He must have aimed the ladder at Deaton, but Styles was looking at, at his dad's fingers on his knee, blunt nails, well-worn but gentle hands that had held him when he was small, just the same as ever in spite of everything. I don't know who speaks this next line. Give me a sec. I think it's this Barrett. Is he beaten? Okay. Let, let's read it, read it as if it's Derek. But Chris, it's Gerard. He's in the other room. He's our prisoner. Chris is the other cop. Yeah, Chris is Gerard's son. Mm, mm, okay. Chris stiffened where he stood, and beside him, Styles felt his dad sigh. He dragged his hand unwillingly from Styles' knee and over his hair the same way Styles did. Okay, he said, looking wearily at as Styles felt, one thing at a time. The the bone man, he forced out as if saying the name would make them appear. How close are they? Derek looked at Styles, which made Styles uncertain at his dad. Deaton, Chris, and the other people who seemed confused as to why Styles was the one with the intuition on this. Styles chewed the inside of his cheek. We have time, he assured, he assured them. His dad nodded slowly, no doubt struggling to remain steady, to, remain, to maintain his control in the face of finding his son, who he believed dead for so long. So what the hell is Gerard Argent doing in our vet clinic? He asked, voice strained. We came across him on the search for Cora, Derek said cautiously. He chased us, tried to kill us over and over. We should have killed him, Cora snapped, but Derek wanted to give him a trial, prove we weren't the beast he accused us of being. She lifted her chin as if to defy them to challenge that her, that her treatment of their prisoner had been anything beyond a reproach anything less than he deserved. The damage on him is all his own men who'd rather kill each other like animals than let the beast they hunt go free. A long silence stretched through the sterile plain room. The pack watched, waiting for Derek's word, trusting him in the face of strangers, trusting him to lead them through the shadow path that lay, lay ahead. Styles gripped Derek's arm a little tighter without really meaning to, willing to follow Derek along the same path, the right one, or walk beside him at least. Each of them in that room was lo as lost as the other right then, but perhaps they could guide each other through. Eventually, Chris shifted, clearing his throat as he glanced toward the currently closed operating door. Well, it sounds cold if I'd said I'd hope I'd seen the last of him when the rest of the world died out. Not really. We've met him, Erica said tartly, inciting a smile from Chris's otherwise distant face. People like Gerard are the reason we never stood a chance, Chris said, while people like me and Talia Hale were trying to get people to come together against the Alpha Pack. People like him were petitioning for mass genocide. He wanted everyone even suspected of having supernatural blood wiped out. Styles stared at him and saw a hint of his own frustration from his younger self, 
curled up and afraid on the sofa and watching the world fight each other instead of helping each other. He remembered asking his dad why everyone didn't just work together to face the alpha pack. And his dad and his dad's sad, wistful expression, the same one Chris wore now. My sister, Kate, was obsessed with the alpha pack, obsessed with impressing our father. No, that sounded terrible. My sister, Kate, was obsessed with the alpha pack, obsessed with impressing our father. She made it her life's work to know all of there was snow about our enemies to hunt the pack down. She thought the Hales, a long-standing werewolf family, might hold secrets about them, how to find them, how to kill them. The Hales were werewolf aristocracy. <laughs> Let me start. Aristocracy? Yeah, that's how, it's, that's how it said. I said it wrong. The Hales were werewolf aristocracy. He met Derek's gaze in, so she targeted them and burned their house down long before the Alpha Pack outed the supernatural to the world, Styles remembered. So that had been it. She hadn't been after the Hales, not really. They were a stepping stone on the way to the true prize, to please Daddy. His jaw, he set his jaw, his anger helping him to come back to himself, so what? The last time I saw my father, just after the riots, just after Peter Hale shot her, he was like I'd never seen him, like a wild animal with rage. He blamed the Hales, he blamed the Alpha Pack. The world was one loyal child. The world for his one loyal child being killed. Chris sighed heavily, not with guilt or anger or loss, but with wariness. Like he thought he was done with all this long ago. He, blame, he blamed me too for trying to side with them rather than wipe them out. He disappeared around the same time Beacon Hills was lost and I thought he was finished. Bloody hell. No such luck. Nope. I like how you start off with bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> Every time a- to get you in the mood. <laughs> That is my Oh my goodness. Oh, let me. Ever since I was little, like watching Buffy Vampire Slayer, Bloody Hell was my favorite. Resonated with you. Yeah. Just my favorite British saying. Oh, bloody hell. No such luck. Isaac muttered bitterly. I'm sorry, hyper little Nori. (laughs) No, you're not. She, she's probably laughing at me just saying bloody hell over and over again. Every time you say it, and I know you just said Buffy, but every time you say it, I think of James Marsters. He is like the king of that in Buffy. He's, it's it's sexy when he says it. Okay, so like a, at a Comic-Con panel, they asked each of the cast of, of Harry Potter what their favorite line from the series was that they had to recite in the movie Rupert yeah Rupert was like his favorite was bloody hell because he was like 11 years old and he actually got to say it without getting in trouble (laughs) so funny (laughs) Emma Watson's was now I'm going to bed before both of you get us killed or worse expelled She needs to sort out her priorities. See, when I'm doing stuff like that, I can do a British accent just fine. Now can you do it? Now that you've spoken? (laughs) She needs to sort out her priorities. No such luck. How was that? I think it was good. No such luck, Isaac muttered bitterly. Styles felt his dad's warmth at his side, thought about how he'd always done everything for Styles. always. He thought that bad things had happened to everyone that was left, and some had risen above it. Some had come back stronger than ever. Some had been twisted by it, morphed into something far worse than the Alpha Pack. I should probably check on his injuries. 
Deaton offered unwillingly. Melissa and Nakisho are, of course, the experts, but my skills will do for now. He looked a little worse for wear. He glanced at Derek and Styles on the way to the other on the way to the door. And then I believe we need to discuss whatever it is that you think you have to stop the bone man. Styles drew in a shaky breath. You feel it too, don't you? He murmured. Deaton met his gaze with a cool composure that didn't quite touch his dark eyes. Yes, they are coming. Do, does my Deaton sound like Styles' dad? No. Okay. I don't think so. I mean, I think there's a little difference. Okay. Gerard had may have been incensed when they arrived, struggling almost too much for an intelligent, albeit evil, man who knew there was no way of escape. But when he saw Chris, his bile resurfed resurfaced tenfold he didn't even he didn't still even when Deaton tried to access his injuries but the disgust on Chris's face was almost palpable just tranquilize him leave him tied up I'll lock him in the holding cell when we're done here Chris said with the taste here, the voice startled Styles from his thoughts, and he looked up to see Cora offering him an awkward smile and a mug of water. You still look a little pale. Sorry. What? <laughs> you said a mug of water. We were just talking about Harry Potter, and I heard muggle water. <laughs> like, why the hell? What, what is muggle water in this world? <laughs> okay, so I want, speaking of bugs. I was watching Sander Sides this morning because he released a new video. And Patton walked in and, and looked at Logan and said, it's a little muggy outside. And Patton, like, slowly closed the refrigerator door, which he had in his hand, and said, I swear to God, if I go outside and all our mugs are sitting on the sidewalk, I am done with you. <laughs> And Patton looked at him and then drank hot cocoa out of a bowl. And was like, okay. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> so funny. And I was like, my dad has done that to me. He has like put some mugs outside and said, it's a little muggy outside. And I'm like, oh my God. That's so funny. Oh my, what a dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> that's like Patton's thing. He does dad jokes. Because he's like, they call him the dad character. That's so funny. Styles nodded and took it gratefully, glad for something to occupy his hands and hide his embarrassment. He'd pretty much broken down when he'd seen his dad, and he wasn't entirely sure he'd pieced himself back together yet. Everyone was watching him, though, as if wondering if he had. So many eyes, so many people pressured to be okay after years of only having to be strong for himself, only himself to let down. Everyone had pulled the other's chairs from the waiting room, so they were sitting in an informal circle. He tried to remember the last few days spent sitting around campfires, tormenting Erica over the car radio and getting taunted back. He tried to remember this was his dad and his pack, and they had him. He was okay. Deaton was giving him something to knock him out and take care. Oh, my bad. That's someone talking. There's a voice. <laughs> There's a person there. <laughs> There's a voice in there. A person. A voice. <laughs> that is my New York accent, ladies yep. and gentlemen. And there it is. <laughs> Deaton has given him something to knock him out and take care of the pain. Chris said stiffly as both he and Deaton closed the door to the operating room. Derek looked at Styles before nodding slightly. We're running out of time, and we need to figure out a plan. Drawing in a little breath to try and shake the last cloying remnant of shock, Styles reached for the rucksack he'd instinctively dragged in with him. Carefully, he withdrew the large bag within the bag of raw wolf's bane. 
Deaton's eyes widened and he reached for the bag, only just stopping himself at the last moment. He stood awkwardly in front of Styles, arm half, half outstretched, as he whispered, How did you find it? The Alpha Pack destroyed every known source before they came out of the shadows. Did we That's know? Not- what? Huh? Sorry. Go ahead. That's, that sounded so mysterious. I love it. A little bit sinister. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> did we know earlier from earlier chapters that all of the wolves being had been destroyed? Yeah. Uh, Derek said it said so. Uh, when he when they they came across the purple field. Did and Styles start- know when he came across that field like that? Maybe the last. No, he didn't. Person. He didn't know. Okay. He didn't even know it was Wolfsbane. All he knew is that it, it felt it was a um, protective. That he 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 felt a connection to the field and that it was protective. Mm, okay. But Derek knew Styles didn't. Now Deaton has confirmed it mm-hmm. in his mysterious way. Okay. Like Hyper Little Nori said that she likes Deaton because like he's almost as mysterious as Dumbledore, as cryptic. Styles made a whole field of it grow. Derek said, his tone matter-of-fact, honest, but there was a twinge of awe to it. He, he can make things last. He can make things work. He can make things grow where there should be no life. Understanding dawned on Deaton's face. You have a spark. Feeling his father and Chris gaze on him, Styles dragged a hand across the back of his neck. Yeah, I guess. I didn't know what that even meant or what it really does was until Derek told me. I mean, eventually. Until then, I thought I'd just been lucky, you know? Derek, Boyd made a disbelieving sound. <laughs> you call living in solitude lucky? Style shrugged. Well, I wasn't dead, at least. I was such a klutz as a kid. I wasn't even sure how I managed at first, but I guess, well, my lucky spark did it. Styles, his dad interrupted, an air of disapproval. He grasped Styles' forearm and ex- his expression serious. Kid, you were always the most resourceful, most frustratingly smart kid. Maybe this spark or whatever helped you avoid trouble. But it isn't the reason you survived. You did that. Styles felt his throat tighten, and all he could do was nod an answer. Derek was a silent presence at his side, but he could almost feel his approval, his agreement. It had been exactly what Derek had been telling him all the time. He supposed that coming from his dad, who was just the best at everything, who was very so very alive whole and strong he nodded again in his to distract from the emotions welling again in his eyes blinking it away defiantly so can we use this against the bone men styles asked deaton slowly reached out a hand and south pressed the bag into his grasp not many things can survive aconite poisoning even in the supernatural world its nickname, Wolfbane, can be misleading that way. He considered, considered the purple flowers a little wilted, though near, nowhere near as much as they should be. They can't technically ingest it. As far as I'm aware, they don't eat anything but the souls of the more than human. But perhaps, he straightened it up with a brief, almost inspired glance at Chris. I think we have something that can make these work. Yes. He looked at Styles and Derek then. Leave me with leave this with me. Rest while you can. I need I need space to work on this and time. Derek rose to his feet. We short sort of sh- nope. We're sort of short on that last one, he warned. Deaton focused on Styles again. Yes, he murmured. I am aware, but there should be enough to prepare, and all of you need to rest. You'll need all your strength when they come. 
would draw it out for now, Chris offered to escort Cora and the rest of the pack to Derek's house so that Derek could drive Styles and his dad to his home. I'll bring mischief around later when I come back to the clinic, Chris promised the sheriff as he climbed into the front passenger seat of the station wagon. You get your boar home. Oh, is mischief his horse? Styles' dad gave him an awkward little smile and tilted his head to the direction of the horse. The horse, he explained, almost apologetically. We sort of had, he sort of had your temperament. Oh, that answers your question. Yep, there it is. And there it is. Had I just waited. (laughs) Yeah. If Styles hadn't been so stunned, he might have laughed. Apparently, Derek's house wasn't far from the clinic. But Styles' dad was closer toward the farmland, a bit of a trek on already weary legs, so he was grateful for the ride and also for an excuse for more time with Derek. It felt like they were on a way to a goodbye, and that thought was unbearable. He was at a loss, wanting to go with his dad, but reluctant to leave this man who he'd, who he'd found such strength in, who helped him find himself. Derek was quiet in a way utterly different to their companionable silence. He too seemed uncertain of the path that lay ahead, how they would fit together now. Scott is going to be so happy to see you, his dad said wistfully, his throat tight with emotion. Their scouting party would should call no their scouting party should be home in a day or two. They sometimes hunt but we try to leave the wildlife to regroup after a season and rely on our own animals and crops. Styles stared out the window at the sediment as they passed them by. I can't believe you built this, he whispered apart awe and emotional exhaustion. He was in the passenger seat, but his father was sitting forward in the rear and he could feel his warmth, his closeness and Derek's too. He felt safe, safe enough to fall apart, and that thought alone made it difficult to hold it together. The afternoon sun broke through the clouds to glint off the wind turbines in the distance. A lot of it was in place when we arrived. The solar farm, the wind turbines, and the farmland, his dad said. When we got rid of Enos, those who had survived, his wrath welcomed us worked with us to build what you see, supernatural and human. We all learned to live together. Styles could hear the sadness in it, the wish that the rest of the world had done the same before it was too late. Then his father squeezed his shoulder in a way that he knew was meant to convey that it was too late to worry over such things now. His father's home was modest, a little two-story house, brick sturdy where it stood with a little grassy fenced in yard to the rear like all the other houses along the street. Like the rest of the settlement he'd been, he'd seen so far, it was clearly built here before the apocalypse, but unlike all the others, there seemed to be an extension. It looked like a good home and that surprised Styles. You're, you're lucky, Derek said softly as they climbed out of the car. There weren't any single-roomed buildings in good enough repair. So your dad has a second bedroom for you. He offered a little smile as he dragged out the duffel bag Styles kept most of his clothes in. And one of the bags that held most of the possessions Styles had brought with him from the radio tower. He didn't drag out the neatly folded bedding that they'd shared so often, though, Styles noticed. It was as homely inside as out. It was clean, a little cluttered with some dishes left on the side and in the sink, but cozy and smelling of his dad. Lived in. There were some books in the alcove beside the fire, one worn and open on the coffee table. Styles drank it all in, imagining his father living here thinking Styles was gone. He, his chest felt tight. When he found himself looking at Derek standing in the doorway of his dad's house and watching him as if 
Only Styles could tell him his next move. You'll bring the pack back for dinner tonight, his dad asked, his voice breaking, the quiet crisis burning between them. I want to thank you all. You brought my boy home safe. There was the bar barest tilt into Derek's head that Styles was sure only he noticed. A light in his eyes that never moved from Styles' face. He brought himself home safe, Derek said. But we'll be here. Yes, thank you. Then he was turning toward the door and Styles felt a rush of panic, knowing Derek was giving him space. Time was holding back in case. Styles didn't want to show his father what they were. Styles lunged over the threshold and down the two steps after him regardless, wrapping his arms around him and holding on as if there was as if this were the goodbye it felt. Derek's arms circled him in answer, his face turning just a little to Styles' cheek. He inhaled softly before whispering, I'll be back in a few hours. But it just felt all wrong, like this was it, and Styles was had never felt weaker, more pathetic, with his legs shaking like a newborn fawn. He wanted to hold to, to hold the, the, he wanted to hold to his father and Derek both, but he couldn't, not right now. You better, he warned half-heartedly, with Derek's answering huff of laughter in his ears. He forced himself to let go. He watched him with tightness in every muscle. As Derek opened the door to his Camaro, watched him hesitate, hesitate there, catch Styles' gaze one last time before climbing in and driving away. It wasn't until the engine had utterly faded that Styles returned to the house. You're close to him, Derek, his dad said as he shut the front door behind him, though his father didn't look up where he was building a fire in the hearth. If it wasn't for him, I'd have died alone in a tower, Styles murmured, and perhaps it was the lost tone of his voice, but his father turned to him, seeing something in his face that drove him to his side. Styles met his dad's eyes and saw them shining as his own, no doubt there. He, he's my friend. He saved my life and I saved his. But it's more than that, dad. It's his words broke off and he floundered to find them again to express himself in a way that made sense. But, for, but before he could, his dad's hand caught the back of his neck and hauled him in close. Next, he knew his dad's hoarse, ragged sobs. The sound of a strong man unable to hold it any longer shook them where they stood. Just there, they held each other, daring the world to try and rip them apart again. At some point, they made it to the worn but cozy sofa, where his dad pulled back his usual quiet strength, though he seemed like Styles, lighter for the breakdown. It was like a dam that had held the floods at bay had burst, and now new life could begin again in their absence. There, they ate pasta from their laps as they talked. They talked about his dad's duties in the settlement, about the failed attempt of a greenhouse he had out back, about the places Styles had traveled through, and as he tried to find somewhere safe to put down roots, about the tower and his luck. He told his dad about the things he, knew, he just knew, the way things lasted longer or grew where they shouldn't, how his luck had kept him alive, and how it wasn't really luck at all. So you, that's how you know they're close, his dad said, glancing at him carefully. When Styles finished telling him all of that Derek had shared with him about his spark, the bone man. Nope. Yeah, let's keep it out. His dog, what did I say? Wait, what just happened to you? Are you okay? <laughs> keep what yeah. out. What? I don't know. All right, keep going. Styles nodded infidesimately. Oh my God, that's a hard word. <laughs> it is. Look at her. She's adding. She's so smart with her words. I, yeah, I love like <sighs> I little noise uses like big vocabulary words. 
Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. He pushed the last few mouthfuls of pasta around his plate with his fork distractedly. I kind of want pasta now. I know. I want to know where the pasta came from. <laughs> well, he, his dad probably cooked it. Well, no, I get that. But like they were hugging and then all of a sudden it was like pasta. Well, if I had of- magic powers, that's what I would do. I'd be like, oh, I'm so sad. I just want to bowl pasta and snap my fingers and have pasta. Styles nodded infinitesimally. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. He pushed the last few mouthfuls of pasta around his plate with his fo- fork distra- distractedly. I can sort of feel things like a survival instinct, I guess. I can feel when they're close, like I felt it when the hunters came after us. I can feel where Derek and the pack are too, pretty much. His father paused, his last forkful poised halfway to his mouth, and Styles blinked at him, mind frantically backpedaling as he tried to figure out what had put that curious look on his face. What? His, he asked cautiously, finishing off his plate to keep his mouth occupied, just in case he needed more thinking time to re- respond to whatever his dad was about to say. You really like Derek Hill, huh? Styles nearly choked on his mouthful. His eyes, his dad's eyes glittering, the lines around them pulling tight with amusement. Is there anything there? When that last Styles had finished chewing, he set his plate down on the coffee table and wiped his sweaty palms on his jeans without really meeting his dad's eyes. I think so, he managed, but I was hoping to at least move my stuff into my room before I asked if I could have a, a boy in it. He tried for a laugh, but his father's voice was serious and the sound died before it really began. Styles. A heavy exhale of breath tumbled over Styles' lips and he looked up at last. He stabilizes me. I'm a better person because of him. Uh, kiddo, his dad mumbled with an embarrassed but gentle expression. In that moment, Styles was eight again and telling his dad he was going to marry Lydia Martin. Follow him that hard, huh? Styles gave him the eye, just in case he thought it was ta- the same as confessing his love for an eight-year-old Lydia Martin. He couldn't even imagine that person anymore, his, naive, his naivety, his innocence, but thought he was world-hearted. He didn't feel a loss. A lot of that was down to Derek. How did he make his dad understand that? He's, he's been a dealt a shitty hand you know worse than a lot of us but he just styles frowned wondering wondering exactly when he'd forgotten how to talk to people in a way that conveyed his thoughts coherently he hasn't let it become an excuse he just wants to be better no matter what he makes me want to be better he makes me he made the din in styles's head quiet, the cold, a long forgotten memory in the light of his warmth. A long silence stretched out between them until Styles realized he was wearing the hem of his shirt and forced himself to release it. When he looked up, his father was studying him with a wistful look in his eye. He's a good man, his, his dad said, squeezing his shoulder in a way that Styles thought was an awkward blessing. Styles ducked his head with a nod, looking at his lap. Even as his dad held on to him, he didn't remember talking being so hard, especially not with his dad, but definitely not in general. Dad, he whispered, a throwback to the scared child watching the world in over the last television broadcast. I can't. I'm not sure I can blend with people again. Being, Being in a crowd without freaking out or talk to someone in a way that makes sense or... His dad squeezed his shoulder more firmly, just the sign of painful. Seeing you again, his dad began. It's like an impossible dream. Everything else, we can work it out. Styles moved forward, wrapping his arm around his dad's shoulders again, 
just because, just in case he really was dreaming and when he woke up, he'd be gone. I think it is about to happen. His voice was muffled by his dad's shoulders, but he willed him to understand, to trust his gift the same way Derek did. I won't let anything happen to you, Styles. his dad promised huskily, cupping the back of his head, fingers threading through his hair affectionately. We're together now, and walls of this place. It's going to be all right. As the afternoon took hold, Styles blinked blearily at his, to find his dad covering him with a blanket, where he'd obviously dozed off at some point as they'd been talking. He kept silent, though, fraining sleep. He sucked, he snuck glances at his dad as he curled up in the armchair directly next to the sofa where Styles was stretched out. He switched the lamp on the end table off and then reached out and carted his fingers through Styles' hair. As his arm grew limp with his own encroaching slumber, drawing back a little to rest on the arm of the sofa, Styles reached up to cover it with his own before he closed his eyes again. And Finn. Oh. Sweet. I'm happy that we finally got the reunion that we've been waiting for. Yeah. Even though it's still a little bitter. I don't know. Maybe like bittersweet. Yeah. A little bittersweet. But... I just... It feels to me like it feels really bittersweet because I know we're coming to the end. Yeah. And I don't want it to end just yet. I don't want it to end either. I still think that we have a little, we have a little ways to go. I mean, we're not quite at the end but we are um we're getting there we're definitely getting there and i i I don't want you to give too much away at all but like are we're obviously going to face the bone men at some point right they're not just going to disappear so we have a little bit more like uh, what's the word that i want to use like we have a little bit more plot to get through Right before we start wrapping everything up, I don't know if I used that word correctly, like used that correctly, but yeah, Um, I think that's where it feels better, sweet, right? Because this is kind of like a calm before a potential storm. Yeah, this was the last uh, of chapter nine, which means we have 10, 11, and 12 to go through, and that is it, and that's it, yeah. I am so excited about next week. We get so, we get more characters next week. We get more voices from Johnny. Um, is chapter 10 split into two? Uh, let's see. Are the next three chapters all two parts? The next chapter, chapter 10 is split into two. Chapter 11, maybe three or four cha- sections. Oh, okay. That okay. is like. Chapter 12 is like the monster chapter that that Hyper Lil Nori has apologized for. (laughs) I have a voice already ready for Scott because I I, I don't think this is a spoiler. We get to meet Scott next week. I'm hoping that Scott's voice makes you laugh. I look forward to it. I don't want a spoiler alert, so I will wait until next week. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I don't think it's a spoiler because I'm I'm pretty sure you expected to see Scott. Singing. No, no, the voice. I, I know we're gonna see Scott. Yeah. But the voice. I want I want I wanna save it for next week so you can yeah. surprise me. Yeah. Thank you, Chaotix, for joining us tonight. This is Johnny out. And this is Jess. Don't forget, join in on the Facebook group Ships Chaos, and we'll see you next Chaotic Thursday. Yeah. Bye-bye. Adios. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on our journey today. 
We'd like to thank Hyper Little Noi for allowing us to read her masterpiece, Radio Tower, and to our listeners who welcome us into their homes every week. We love any reviews, downloads, subscriptions. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and archive of our own as Ships of Chaos. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next Chaotic Thursday.